it's beginning to look a lot like Sith, miss. Oh, oh, oh. Every oh. social media account you go to. Oh, folks, here we are back again. Another exciting episode of The Devil's Due. We are so happy that you are joining us again. Second week in a row. We've got a great, great show for you. Joining me, as always, the Mando to my Lando. Mr. Drew Celestino. <laughs> There's a crossover we didn't know we needed. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, sir? Um, good. Let's let's kick things off, shall we? There we go. There we. There we go. go. Pop that. What is, what is the selection for this episode? Um, I went back to um our friends at uh toppling goliath brewing out of iowa uh the king sue double ipa it's very good i had it once before jen got it for me on a whim um i was unsure as i'd never heard of it but um it turned out to be a a gem so i picked myself up some more of it so that's what we got tonight all right. It's got a well, very uh, a very Ryan Otley esque looking Tyrannosaurus Rex uh, on the can. So, um, in fact, I'm, there's I'm, I'm, there's I'm, nothing wrong with anything you just said there. I'm yeah, I'm actually really curious if uh, the artist of the can ripped off Ryan Otley, or maybe if Ryan Otley himself did the can design. I don't know, but it's very Otley esque. <laughs> So, folks, we have a really fun and great show for you lined up. Uh, We've got some very special guests on the show that we're going to be getting to a little bit later. But first, as we uh, discussed in our last episode, uh, last week Disney came out and dropped a whole bunch of new stuff on us. Uh, They just kind of opened up Santa's sack and and just spilled everything out on the floor. Uh, Last week's episode, we covered the Marvel announcements. And this week, we're going to be covering the Star Wars announcement uh, to expedite things a bit. Again, this week, we're not going to be doing any uh, listener emails. We have gotten a couple more. Uh, Folks, we love you. You know we do. We're going to get to those emails uh, in the very near future. Um, We'll probably do do another listener picks where we talk about show and cover those emails. Um, also the other, let's talk about the other 800 pound, uh, Bantha in the room. Uh, folks, I love my co-host. I really do. It's a true, he he is a true blessing to my life, him and his family. Um, but it drives me up the wall, Drew, that you don't watch the Mandalorian until Saturday because we're recording this on Friday night. The people have watched the show. The people want to know what we think. The people can wait one more week or two, and we'll just give them a. We'll, we'll, get, we'll do the whole smorgasbord on the season. We haven't really talked about the season yet, so we'll we'll do the whole season. <clears throat> All right, they can wait. Okay. So, so folks, no Mandalorian chat this episode. This this whole Link. this whole want it now culture we live in, Carl. For shame. <laughs> Blame Drew, not me. Um, Okay, so let's stand on a little bit of ceremony. Sir, how was your week? Oh, um, uneventful, I think. Um, 
I'm, I'm trying to come up with something and I'm, I'm actually coming up pretty empty. Uh, time has no meaning anymore. Like we said, um, pretty much just, uh, getting my, my Christmas ducks in a row as I kind of touched on last week. Um, and work and, uh, that's that's about it not a ton going on um seasons changed in animal crossing and that's kind of exciting it's snowing <laughs> uh it's snowing, it's snowing. Yeah. there's there's christmas trees up and stuff so that's that's been kind of a fun uh fun little refreshment refresher uh, thing to kind of put me in the festive mood um the uh, the haters guide to the Williams Sonoma catalog what uh, came out this week on Defector, which made me very happy. That's also a big line of demarcation for officially <laughs> Christmas time. Um, if you guys the, don't know, the haters guide to the Williams Sonoma catalog. Oh yeah, it's expand great. Expand on this a bit, please. Uh, if okay, so long story short, I'm a subscriber to Defector.com. Defector.com is made up of all the people who uh, unceremoniously quit Deadspin.com in the wake of being told by their vulture capital uh, firm that 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 bought Deadspin uh, that they had to stick to sports and then fired their senior editor, and then the entire staff quit, and the site died, <laughs> like, in, a, in an instant. Um, it was a long, painful period where um, all those great writers that I have read on Deadspin for so long and love so much uh, had to go scramble to find other work for a period of time, and tried to follow the guys as best they could. Anyway, they all got together, and they all collectively owned Defector.com, um, which is now the new, effectively the new an improved Deadspin. We we don't talk about Deadspin though because Deadspin is now what we call Zombie Deadspin, and Zombie Deadspin is now made up of hack uh, scab writers and interns who are probably not getting paid anything to write clickbait crap in the guise of you know the old Deadspin style, and it's just it's we don't talk about that. So anyway, Drew McGarry, one of the the head the head poobahs of uh, Defector dot com, um, he's like my favorite um, writer. Uh, in the you know columnist kind of world and has been for a really long time so every year drew mcgarry does two incredible series one that is relevant uh to football that's called the wire team sucks series and he does one entry for every single team every year including his own favorite team and it is incredible and the one relevant to now is the haters guide to the williams sonoma catalog where he pours over the williams sonoma catalog and finds the most bourgeoisie overpriced garbage that is sold to people and people buy because we live in America where these people exist. And, uh, he basically savages the product, the write up and the culture behind all of it. And it's just the most fun thing in the world. So that came out this week. I strongly, <laughs> it's, I strongly recommend everyone read it and enjoy it, but that's one of my big, like, Oh, it's Christmas time. The haters guys out. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like the that was kind of the highlight of my week actually. <laughs> Alrighty, cool. How are you? How, how are you doing? <laughs> I was just kind of like, is he going to ask me about me, or are we just going to move on? I was, I was mid. Um, I was mid sip. I apologize. That's okay. So uh, I completed another rotation around the sun this week. You did. I'm sorry, I forgot to bring that up. It was your birthday. That's okay. That's yeah, a, actually, I didn't forget yeah. to bring it up because I put it on social media and you got yourself some birthday wishes from our um, amazing listeners. 
You did, and thank you for that, and thank you to all the listeners who sent me those wishes. Um, it was a good, uh, good day. I took the day off work, relaxed. I went to the comic shop to pick up my books, and uh, just kind of hung out with Julie and William afterwards. Uh, Julie got me a Chemex coffee brewer for my birthday, and I am very much enjoying that and learning uh, how to make a proper cup of coffee with it. Uh, this is a much more labor intensive, for lack of a better word, uh, brewing method. Um, you can really, you truly craft your cup of coffee uh, brewing with a Chemex. Um, are you familiar with I have seen it, but I, you're the first person that I know to actually own one. Okay. So it's, it's immersion brewing, uh, which is not, uh, dissimilar to like a French press, um, with a filter and it just kind of funnels through, uh, you really have to use ratios for the chemics. You really should, when you, if you're, Serious about making a good cup of coffee, you really should be using ratios for whatever your brewing method is. Uh, typically, the recommended ratio is uh, for every one part coffee, you have between 14 and 16 parts water, and you break that down into grams. Um, so I've been using my wife's food scale and whatnot, and uh, really just kind of experimenting and trying it. It makes an incredibly smooth cup of coffee. Um, so yeah, I've been enjoying it. Uh, what else? Nothing much else this week. Um, obviously we had, you know, Mandalorian season finale this week. Um, which as before mentioned, we'll get to earlier, but as far as my end, nothing, nothing else really huge. Uh, but dear listeners, I know we're not doing it in this episode, but we do love to hear from you. If you would like to reach out to us, communicate to us, you can do so at the following social media locations. You can go to uh, Twitter and follow us at Devil's Do Pod. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Devil's Do Pod. You can email us at the Devil's Do Pod at gmail.com. Or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, thedevilsdopodcast.com. Drew, that being said, let's go to a galaxy far, far away. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. Yet somehow feeling closer every single day. <laughs> the, the passion that uh, partly bonds us and sometimes divides us, uh, but we can both agree on our love for it. At the end of the day, it's just that love takes different forms. Um, so, and again, obviously I know there's some other new stuff that happened between this past episode and this episode. Folks, we've only got so much time. We can only do so much. Drew and I both have kids. Uh, we usually start this endeavor around 9 o'clock at night on Friday night as it is. So, you know, we're kind of in... Uh, abundance of riches right now as far as news and we just kind of pick and choose so for right now we're just going to do the, the star wars uh shareholder announcements um 
So, Drew, before we get into the specifics of what was announced, what was your overall impression of the announcements that were made for Star Wars? Um, I I always try to look at the big bigger picture of everything. Um, it's just, I don't know why I just it's my nature. Um, I can never just you know digest things as they are. I have to go like. But why? What does it mean? What's behind all that? And, you know, this was no exception. So I saw the the big slate of announcements from Disney about Star Wars, and my thought was, hmm, they have no idea what they want to do for the film future of Star Wars yet. But they know, they definitely know that, thanks to Mando, TV is working just fine for them. And they're going all in on Star Wars as a television media, a piece of of television media. So I find that to be curious, or at least interesting. Um, One movie was announced, but it was not part of any sort of uh, saga. And that also kind of led me to think, I wonder if this is the way forward for them now. Um, I guess we'll talk about that when we get to the announcement in particular. But it's not a... It it was almost an underwhelming announcement of a new movie in the context of everything else that got announced. Um, The fact that there is a movie almost slipped under the radar in a way. But it seems to me that the future of Star Wars is on television. Yeah, I obviously have to agree with that, seeing as we have, uh, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven things announced. Good God. One of which is a film. The other 10 are uh, Disney Plus exclusives. So let's la- launch into this. Let's start with uh, what is the film. And Patty Jenkins uh, posted an announcement video, which was just really well done, in my opinion, because I'm watching this thing. I watched this like before I saw everything that was announced and i'm watching this and she's talking about like a fighter pilot movie i'm like is she gonna make iron eagle uh one, two, three, four, five? that would be awesome long live iron eagle um uh she's talking about how her father was a fighter pilot and some of her fondest memories were of you know seeing the plane take off and whatnot and that her father gave his life for our country um and that she's always wanted to make um, a great fighter pilot story, but she's never had the opportunity to. Now she has the opportunity to make a story about two things she loves. And while she's talking, I'm listening. I'm like, did I just hear an X-Wing engine <laughs> in the background? You would I'm notice thinking, that. Like, maybe it's just, just like, I'm like, that's, yeah, it's a T-65. Needs a little bit of a tune-up, but, you know, that's, that's a T-65. And then she puts on the helmet. And she starts to put on the orange jumpsuit, the iconic orange jumpsuit, and starts walking towards an X-Wing. And then we just get the uh, emblem Rogue Squadron up on the screen. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm... Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I'm like, you're... Like, if you're going to give me... Wedge playing volleyball on the beach of, <laughs> of Tatooine or playing something. with the boys, <laughs> playing with the boys. <laughs> I'm 
I'm in. <laughs> Shut up and take my money. So originally, and we were talking about this oh, because, fantastic. you know, I, I was doing a little uh, extra geeky Star Wars stuff when, you know, you, Alan, and I were talking about this particular announcement. And I said that it probably takes place during the classic trilogy because the X-Wing they showed was a T-65 model X-Wing, which uh-huh. is the classic X-Wing that everyone is familiar with. The X-Wing model in the sequel trilogy, episode 789, is the T-70 X-Wing. There are some visual distinctiveness. The T-70 I always loved because it was Ralph McQuarrie's design. They didn't change it all. They just took it off Ralph McQuarrie's page and put it on the screen. Um, So I thought that this was going to be a film about possibly the formation of Rogue Squadron. Uh, which Wedge and Tilly's play a large part in. But no, it was announced that this film is going to take place uh, apparently after the sequel trilogy. Well, the the exact quote is, in a future time in the galaxy. And they they didn't elaborate on that, really, so I don't know what that means. But if they went out of their way to say a future time, then I would go ahead and assume that that means, uh, yeah, not in the past, not... Be not at the formation of Rogue Squadron, not in the classic trilogy timeline. Uh, no, uh, in the future. This is a movie set after the Skywalker saga, if you want to use that nomenclature, which I think is unexpected. That's a that's very unexpected. Um, that this is this is the movie that's going to give us that glimpse. Um, yeah, that's that's. It also is interesting to me that. They are sticking. I, I find it not coincidental, and maybe uh, uh, maybe this is a hint in, in terms of what their direction is going to be. That the movie that they announce um, is it has Rogue in the title, given that Rogue One is the non-saga movie um, that was pretty universally well received by by fans. And I think by critics and well, whatever with critics, not that they care. Fans really, really embraced Rogue One in a big, bad way. So I do kind of wonder if like the Rogue franchise is now like a thing and they're going to kind of use that going forward. I could be wrong, but I I feel like once, you know, they, they it worked once and now they're going back to it again. If it works again, I can almost guarantee that there's going to be another Rogue movie down the road. I'm... And I'm okay with this. Yeah. Uh, this film is slit. This film is slated for 2023. So, you know, depending on what happens in the world between now and then, will we get it at that time? Will we not? We don't know. Um, if they just want to say, Hey, we're going to give you top gun and X wings, and we're going to get Dennis Lawson to come back and play wedge. And he's going to be, you know, the Tom scared Viper character um, <laughs> of the film. And there's going to be a Maverick and whatnot. I, okay. I'm in. Um, if you want to, you know, dive a little deeper into possibilities, you know, you could say, uh, the new Republic is in disarray after the destruction of the Hosnian system and the force awakens. And like, you know, Rogue Squadron needs to be reformed to help restore order. Um, you know, whatever. Well, it's it's Patty Jenkins. It's like she's a great director. I'm 
I'm looking forward to it. I also must say that I, I do find it um, pretty fascinating that Patty Jenkins, coming fresh off of her uh, Wonder Woman 1984 uh, release coming up at Christmas here, <laughs> um, I guess her time at Warner Brothers is up. I don't know. I don't know that people care too much about that sort of thing, but I always find it interesting when directors tradition well not traditionally but have have great success and good relationships at one studio and then jump over to what i consider to be clearly a rival studio it's interesting is all yeah i don't know i don't know what it means but it's interesting i think like kind of more the older guard directors steer towards studio loyalty like someone like spielberg i believe sticks primarily with the universal uh, studio, things like that. Um, the newer guard, I think, just kind of goes where the work is. Like, look at look at James Gunn. He he was with well. And, there's yeah reasons there's for that. Very extenuating there. circumstances there. Um, Disney was buttering his bread just fine until you yeah. know things happened that were complete nonsense. Yeah, but in any case, so yeah, so it's. It's it's going to be interesting to see. Um, yeah. Okay. Definitely. So let's let's move on to everything else, which is all everything from here on out is all going to be on Disney Plus. Yeah, pretty um, much. Uh, yeah. Let's start. Not just with, this. Everything well, in life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Um, let's start with what we already knew about. So, Mandalorian season three. Shock. December twenty twenty one. I'm just sad that we have to wait that long. To be honest with you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. no, because like you know, I, I, and I say that I have not watched the finale yet, and I'm everyone's losing their mind over it, and I'm dodging the internet like like you wouldn't believe, like like I'm dodging the internet right now, like I do on Wrestle Kingdom weekend, and I haven't watched the show yet, but it already happened in Japan, and I and I can't go on the internet until I watch it. I feel like that right now. So anyway, um, uh, yeah, I but the the thing is though is like the Mandalorian. You only get like what eight episodes a season, and it it just feels like it goes by so fast. And uh, this is no exception. So another year it, to wait. Yeah, it it does. Even when we have to wait a week between episodes, like, like can you like I I really like I wasn't crazy about the first season, but now it's like really this is a fine meal, and I want to savor it. So I am totally on board with the weekly releases. You you weren't a fan of the first season of Mando? No, no the the weekly release. Oh, I I I rather like it. I I prefer it actually. Um, I yeah. I really value uh the like when Watch I think when when Watchmen was on we talked about this maybe on, even on the show. I like having that week to think about dis, you know d- discuss uh you know. Th- throw out my ideas, my theories and you know, all that stuff just invests you in the show more. You know, you have more time to really let it marinate instead of just plowing right. through it and then forgetting about it. You know, I, I, I like having yeah. that time. It's, it's very much becoming my kind of my preferred method of watching because like with, with something like, you know, daredevil, which our show was kind of found on. Yeah, sure. It's fun to gorge yourselves at the buffet of daredevil all at once. But at the same time, if, if you don't want to do that, you still kind of have to just to avoid spoilers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and it's just like that that can lessen the experience. So Mandalorian season three, 2021. Giddy up. Um, the other thing we knew about uh, the bad batch, which I'm excited about drew for more or less doesn't care. Um, <laughs> the, the animated clone wars version of the dirty dozen suicide slash suicide squad. Uh, this group was introduced in the final season of the clone wars that was done for Disney plus, And they were definitely one of the highlights of the season. And immediately when I saw them, I said, I, I want more of these guys. These guys are great. I love watching them. So we are getting a Bad Batch series. I believe the series is said to take place um, right after episode three. And it's supposed to, from what I understand, again, none of this is officially confirmed, is supposed to explore like kind of what the clones did after the war and the transition from using clones to um, scripted stormtroopers. Um, so yeah, Bad Batch coming. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, we knew we were getting Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, there was some startup and shutdowns of production, obviously, with everything going on. Um, but they're still moving forward with the series. Uh, the, the big announcement made for this one was that Hayden Christensen will be returning uh, as Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader uh, for this series. Uh, Drew, go ahead, do what you're going to do. Why? Like, why? Who asked for that? Now, I don't like personally dislike the dude or anything, but... I'm not going to pretend that he doesn't represent like a major dividing line for a lot of the fan base. Okay. And I think Disney has very been very careful, very cautious and, and choosy about their acknowledgement and callbacks to the prequels. Um, and I think the force awakens and, and how it was shot even in all of its, you know, just all of it, basically. I, I feel it was all very intentional that they were trying to avoid acknowledging the prequels too much, if at all. Um, like, Jimmy Smith showing up in Rogue One was almost like, yee, I mean, oh boy. Like, it was almost shocking in, in a bad way, but, you know, canon is canon, so we gotta go there, right? Uh... But at the same time, like Hayden Christensen, no one is singing the praises of his performance in those movies. So why go back and remind people? Like, what's why? Why bother? Especially considering the placement of this of this series. He's already in the suit. So if he's in the suit, that means James Earl Jones or more likely, if I had to guess, a sound alike of James Earl Jones is going to voice Darth Vader here. Um, so we don't need Hayden Christensen in this, in this, in this thing. And I don't need to be reminded of him and I don't want to be reminded of the prequels. I don't, I don't want to think about them at all. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. Like just nah, last time I saw him, it was the creepy rapey stare that they threw into return of the Jedi for no reason. I don't want to see it. Go away, Hayden. I'm sorry that George was a terrible director. You're a perfectly fine actor. I'm sure. But no, but hey, 
they're doing it, which throws me into all sorts of like, okay, well, what, what, what is, what's happening here? Eh. So, but we can, right, we can discuss this. We can discuss this. I can yeah. be rational, but that's my gut talking right now. Right. No, I, I, I get you. You have, you have the way you feel about the prequels and, and I, the way I feel, and they have their detractors and their praisers and, you know, both, both are fine. Um, as far as the, you know, are they going to put him in the suit? Uh, he has to be right. Really not necessarily. Cause it depends on how they're going to use him. You know, is, I don't think that Vader is going to show up on Tatooine and confront Obi-Wan. I believe that this is all going to be done through the force as we established, like in the last Jedi, like that force connection that you can have these are two characters who were very very close before one chose a different path and that connection is also existent within the force i I think that any meeting that these two are going to have is going to be done through the force so as far as whether or not are the question are they going to put him in the suit i don't believe they're going to put him in the suit as we normally imagine it, I think they may do some, some visual things here and there, but I think if you're going to go and get Hayden Christensen, you don't go and get him to put him in a suit. Like you're going to, and, and we've discussed this in, in our episodes covering attack of the clones and revenge of the Sith. Um, I've seen Hayden Christensen in other things. Dude can act. I, I, so, I'm not saying I he saw, can't. Yeah. No, no, I know. I know. Um, so I saw actually there was, you were using the analogy of a meal in a, a Facebook post where someone was discussing this. Like if someone, you know, you know, if uh, a great meal is a great meal, but if it's got one bad aspect, I it, said this. <laughs> Yeah, that was what yeah. I said. And for someone called me out so, for like pointing out that I this like out of all the things that got announced, I posted one thing on social media about it all, and this is what it was about. And it was just basically saying, I in 2020, who asked for more Hayden Christensen in Star Wars? That's what I said. My, my, yeah. And someone pointed out, out of everything they announced, that's what you focus on. And I and, I, and I, my retort was basically, look, you can serve me the greatest meal in the world, made of world class ingredients from all you know. That all of the finest ingredients in the world to make me the best meal ever. But if one of those ingredients is a is for I'm not going to swear, but if it's poop, I'm calling out the poop. <laughs> okay, so that's how I felt about right. this. So I'm going to kind of take that analogy and kind of flip it a bit. Okay. So if if I if I say hey I've got this prime cut steak for you, I've got like I've got Kobe beef. Is there poop on the Kobe beef? To go. No, no, but it's going to be prepared by McDonald's. Well, this is another. Well, okay, yeah, this is. So it's go on. Yeah, it's, no. Hayden Christensen is the Kobe beef. McDonald's is George Lucas and the prequels. You've got this potentially really great thing, but if it's not handled right, man, cannot reach its potential. Dude, the McDonald's and the, the think, McDonald's metaphors are flying. I dropped the McDonald's metaphor about wrestling recently. Did I not? <laughs> I don't remember. I think but I did. It's it's quite possible. 
it's in the same way that um, like all the great you know WWE can sign all the greatest wrestlers they want and they and they do they have a great roster they have probably the best roster in history that they've ever had the problem is it's like it's like if you have all the best chefs in the world and McDo- McDonald's hires them they're still going to be making Big Macs <laughs> yeah like, so I think in the hands of capable uh, storytellers yes this will be something good. I, I look, I'll hope for the best, but in my, in my perfect world, Carl, I want the prequels to be retconned and jettisoned and never talked about again. And we can just live with star Wars as it was pre 1990. What year did episode one come out? Nine. Well, I would I would think for you it'd be the sp- pre special edition, so ninety seven. Even better, Star Wars pre ninety seven is what a what a time to be alive. Um, but <laughs> I know that'll never happen. But in my dreams, that's that's what I long for. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, Moving so on. that is all the stuff that we knew about going in. So now everything from here on out is a brand new announcement. Uh. To be expected, uh, we are getting an Ahsoka series. Yes, not and not shocking at all. Will take place during the Mandalorian time frame. So I think that, I mean, obviously, uh, to use the Kevin Smith parlance, John Favreau and Dave Filoni are doing the Lord's work over there. <laughs> Um, but I think they have found a period of time between they've got a thirty-year chunk. Of time, that long is it? That Jedi long? And Force Awakens. Wow, it's a long time. Okay, of just fertile ground for stories they can tell, and they are clearly taking advantage of that and running with it. Um, the Ahsoka storyline, the Ahsoka series, will take place in the Mandalorian uh, storyline, and. As we saw in the end of Ahsoka's episode, is most likely going to involve Grand Admiral Thrawn. Drew, I loved Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka. Sure. Uh, this is one of the great character additions to Star Wars as a whole. Um, I think we've definitely seen now that there is uh, nothing is off the table for inclusion, whether it be uh, television series, animated series, film, um, a video game, uh, like everything that is considered canon is fair game. Um, so, and Ahsoka has, has been a fan favorite and well-deserved to be a fan favorite for a long time. So I'm really excited to see this character getting this opportunity i think after after we saw her in mando we knew that rosario dawson was way too big a get to be a one-off kind of thing so not surprised right what what did you think of i mean obviously we're going to review mandalorian i know you're not as much a fan of the animated shows so what what was your overall experience and reaction to that episode um it's it's fine, <laughs> I guess. Um, I'm not super into. I'm I'm personally just not super into the idea that like there was all these characters that we 
never heard mention of whatsoever that just get inserted into canon after the fact, um, Ahsoka being one of them. I feel like if Vader had an apprentice that was out in the wild, we probably should have heard about it before, but, you know, whatever. We got to inject things I mean, into the canon, so it is what it is. I mean, we, we did hear about it. There's a series called The Clone Wars. Um, you know what I'm talking about. No, is, you, no, no, no. Is, you know what I'm talking is about. It's said to is canon. Uh, it is official Star Wars canon. It's not my canon, bro. The, the original trilogy is my canon, and no one said anything about Padawans and all that nonsense. Again, hence my reasoning for hating the prequels and wanting them jettisoned. All the crap they introduced just drives me nuts. This being one of the things I'm just like, oh, really? He had this apprentice that no one heard about or mentioned or talked about and didn't show up at the entirety of the original trilogy, just out there in the wild. And now she's this super important character. My 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 gut reaction to all of that is that is the fanfickiest crap I've ever heard. But she's popular, so I have to just accept this. Um, but when you cast Rosario Dawson in the role, I'm going to forgive you many a sin. I'm kind of a fan, so she did a great job, and I'm fine with it, I guess. It's fine. She did a great job. I would watch more of this character on, in live action, so yay, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I, prob- I, love to- how your, I, I, I mean, love how your logic is that if it's not mentioned at all in three two-hour films, then it clearly doesn't exist. And this character clearly had no life before these films or any life in between anything that happened in these films. Uh, look, I can't control the way time works. And we sat with those movies. <laughs> I, we, we sat with those movies for the better part of 15 years of them being the canon. And all this other stuff that gets suddenly shoehorned into the canon... It just as like if it doesn't ring true it doesn't ring true and none of that stuff ever rang true to me the presentation of the jedi and the prequel ev- everything about the prequels to me did not ring true i'm just gonna leave it at that nothing about them seemed like you know when i was a kid and i imagined what they what obi-wan was talking about uh it wasn't this no it was not this at all to be honest with you none of it was like this and not in a good way, not in like a, oh my God, they totally subverted my expectations and it's so much better than I thought it could be. No, it was worse. It was like, damn, the prequels were way better in my mind when I was a kid because whatever this is, it's stupid. And that's how I feel about all of it. Now, that's not to say that, you know, there can't be good things to be taken from it. I think you even threw it out to me like, you know, Filoni and Ahsoka is like taking kind of the... It's like Grant Morrison taking a concept like Doom Patrol, which was goofy and corny, and making it into something completely different and elevating the crap out of it. And maybe that is it. Maybe that's true. I'll give you know. Maybe that's true. But I don't know. It's not like I didn't. It the only the place where that fails for me is that I'm on the other side of it, and that being what I mean by that is I like the original thing. So if I liked the original Doom Patrol, I might be mad at Grant Morrison for screwing it all up. In this case, I like the original Star Wars. I don't really care about all this other stuff that you're dumping on top of it. <laughs> it was fine the way it was. Yes, I'm an old man. Please get off my lawn. <laughs> Alright, so moving on to the next That's not to say I won't watch Ahsoka. That's not to say I won't watch it. I'm just saying. I'm generally like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of like you're, whatever about you're it. You're just going to complain the whole time. Uh-huh. 
So moving on to the next thing that was announced, uh, Rangers of the New Republic. Okay, now this is kind of interesting. So like those guys that were chasing Mando in that episode, like is this going to be a show about them? We don't know. Okay. Like that's what, that's what a lot of people are theorizing. Gotcha. That it's kind of something along the lines of that, but we have no idea. I like uh, to imagine it's thing, kind of like a Disney canon version of troops, except with Republic Republic troops. <laughs> Remember troops? Yes, this was <laughs> great, folks. If you don't know what we're talking about, go YouTube troops. It was one of the first uh, fan films to actually like gain a following. <laughs> um, I'm surprised you like it, Drew, because it's fan fiction. Yeah, but it was, but but it's funny fan fiction, which is if you're if you're if you're taking the if you're taking it as a joke, I'm I'm willing to go like in on the joke with you. If you're telling if you're telling me it's serious, we have a problem. So yeah, but if you get a chance, go look up troops. It's still to this day hysterical. <laughs> um, all right, and our another important thing, I don't think they mentioned it during the meeting. I think this came out afterwards. Is that Mandalorian? Ahsoka and Rangers of the New Republic at one point will converge in an event series. Is that that is that a thing? This is happening? That that has apparently been confirmed. Well, I hope it goes better than Defenders. Defenders wasn't bad. I mean, I mean it, was, it wasn't what it could have been. Or or should it you know what I mean? Like it's fine. Right, but it's it wasn't it wasn't bad. It was it was fine. It was fine. But I think we wanted it to be better than it was. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it could, no, it, it could have been better. Hopefully, Disney learns from Netflix's mistakes. Um. So yeah, Rangers of the New Republic. We basically know it's called Rangers of the New Republic, and that's it. Okay. Uh, we got a sizzle reel, air finger quotes, not so much a trailer. For the new Cassian Andor series. Ah, you know what? That's the one thing I have not watched yet, to be honest with you. I've caught myself okay, up to everything. Except that. Yeah, it, it, it's basically like a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. And so, them saying, you know... Would it be fair to say this is kind of like a show that's about the birth of the Rebellion, really? Like, the, the true birth of the Rebellion, to a degree? Uh, no, they already did that show. Drew, it was called Rebels, and you don't care. Yeah, it's a cartoon. Um, I don't care. <laughs> because because a good story has to be limited to a certain form. It can't take other forms. Uh, if it's um, Star Wars, it was birthed on film, and that's all I care about. So, Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> Enjoy your, your two-course meal. I'll be over here enjoying everything else. Great. Um, I ain't got time for all that. Uh, no, Andor is basically, it's, you know... Not so much about the rebellions are already formed at this point. From what I understand, it's basically going to be a spy, a Star Wars spy story. All right, that uh, that tracks for the character, with Cassian, obviously. With Cassian Andor, yeah. So, yep. and the sizzle reel was, you know, them basically saying, "Hey, you know, yes, this is a quote unquote television series, but it, we're making it as it is a feature film." Um, I believe this is like obi-wan and event series so it's not like going to have multiple seasons to it it's going to be this is the the eight or so episodes and that's done um 
moving along, we have Star Wars Visions, which is uh, an animated series, uh, different shorts, vignettes. Um, I believe there is going to be uh, a, a Japanese artists involved. Uh, some of it taking form of anime, some of it not. Um, when I first heard this, I thought like those those kind of animated shorts they did for the Star Wars Kids YouTube channel, where they play the the sound from the films, but they just animate it and put a lot of different flourishes in it. Um, I, you know what? You know what I would love for this, Drew. I would love to be kind of Star Wars versions of What If. Uh, well, given what we saw from Marvel's What If, I mean, it's it's a it's a thing they're doing. Um... Is this just going to be kind of like a short story formatted thing, but Star Wars, effectively? Pretty much. From what I understand, it's it's a series of each episode will have different like vignettes, shorter stories, uh, self-contained things. How canon is this? Um, <laughs> I'm I'm sure. I don't see them doing anything that wouldn't be considered canon at this point. Um, they are develop as we can see from these announcements and everything that's been happening over the past year or so, anything that comes out of Disney that has the star Wars name on it is canon. Right. Um, unless they say otherwise, so, they haven't so said otherwise this. is the Lego holiday special canon. Uh, I'm going to say no, because <laughs> that's, I mean, you know, take what I said just now and apply common sense. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that to you personally. I'm saying that like, just, just in general. Um, so yeah, animated shorts, vignette, Japanese artists, anime style. Um, and, Interesting. Most of the stuff we didn't see anything on or get a ton of details on beyond like, hey, we're making this thing and there you go. Um, moving on, the next thing we have is Lando. Yeah. And, and Drew, I can tell you right now, just based on the logo design, they're in the right direction. Now, did they or did they not confirm Donald Glover's participation in this. Now, I, it, it feels like it should be a no-brainer, but right. they didn't drop his name, and I feel like you're going to drop his name, right? Yeah. Um, all reports say Donald Glover is going to be doing this. No official Disney announcement has been made yet. And when I say all reports... These are reputable sources that typically, if they're reporting on it, it's probably the case. I mean, if, you know, if my hope for the series was that it would have both Donald Glover and Billy D. Williams, and you do kind of like. Well, that's what we know, pe- that's what we wanted out of the solo film all along. Remember? Yeah. You know, and, and to, but I would like, you know, almost like young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've yeah. got you, one of two things. You do young Indiana Jones Chronicles and you have Billy D introducing each episode or you do kind of like what they what CW did with Arrow 
Whereas for part of an episode, you're in the present part of an episode, you're in the past. So kind of do something like that. But again, from the logo design, their heads in the right space. Uh, that one has my curiosity for sure. Uh, so moving on next, we have, uh, Star Wars, a droid story. This is another animated series. Uh, I guess the description for this is the adventures of a new droid hero. Um, they did mention appearances of, uh, R2D2 and C3PO in it. So when I first saw this, I was like, oh, they bring back the droid Saturday morning cartoon. That was my thought too. <laughs> So we'll see what happens. I'm sure it'll be fun. Um, lastly, the announcement, the last one we have is uh, Star Wars The Acolyte. And this is uh, this curious. Is, I'm sorry, say again? I said this is kind of curious. Yeah, they've said that it's a, a mystery suspense series that takes place in the time frame of the High Republic. Which, which have we explained the, what that is yet to our, to our listeners? Uh, Lucasfilm and Disney has announced that like the High Republic will be an a uh, period of time that's explored throughout a series of stories. The the rollout of the High Republic to me uh, feels very familiar to when they did Shadows of the Empire way back in the day, and they said, "Hey, we're exploring this new time frame, and it's going to be done over these multiple media outlets." Like there's going to be a comic books, there's going to be novels, there's going to be a film series. Like this is an area, this is a sandbox in the Star Wars universe that we're going to play around in for a while. And um, it takes place will, many, many years, many, many years ago, right? Like the yes, height, the, the height of the Republic, as it's as it's called, as it's implied, even. Yes, the the height of the old Republic. Right. So like um, young young the, Yoda is going to show up. Yes, and we say young being relative, he's 300 years old. Well, that's 600 years younger than he was in the original trilogy, so... (laughs) Right. So, and he apparently is the only connective tissue uh, between this and other, like, anything that we currently have. Aside from, obviously, like, Jedi and stuff like that. Um, So, yeah, that's interesting. We've seen, like, some character designs and some loose concepts for high republic but a lot of that stuff kind of got put by the wayside it seemed when covid hits so we will it's all i I think it's all starting to come out now though um i think some of the novels have dropped um i I, at least i've seen some reviews of them recent very recently like in the last like two weeks so that high republic stuff is going to start to finally find its way out um I don't know, whatever. I'm 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 always less interested in going backwards. I'm always thinking about going forwards with this this stuff, but I mean it's a made up universe, so I guess they can do whatever they want. It doesn't really matter, but um the the Acolyte show though I think is notable because it's a live action show in this un here to un unforeseen um time frame of the of the star wars universe it's gonna be in live action and i think it's gonna explore kind of didn't it's it's it's, it's gonna kind of be the some is there something about the sith involved here i don't know i can only assume from like just the logo design and the title you know possibly 
this is a time, from what I understand, when the Sith are very numerous. They're, the rule of two has not been uh, instituted yet. Um, so I, I don't know. Okay. We know that it takes place in High Republic and that it's a suspense thriller. Which is again, a, I believe a I read it's going to. Yeah, I think I read that it's taking place more on the the villain side of things, like it's going to be a villain centric show, from their point of view. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just from the title, like the acolyte is not something that's generally referred to as as a hero thing, right? Um, so I think that Star Wars as a whole is really starting to play with uh different genres and i think that's a good thing obviously with the mandalorian we've seen them go back to their western roots for a lot of part and have the structure of kind of almost like a like a 70s television show like kung fu where it just kind of you know kind of walks to earth solving people's problems um so yeah, I mean, I and again, we folks, you know, we Drew and I butt heads on the show a lot when it comes to Star Wars. But at the end of the day, we both love Star Wars. Uh, we just love it in different ways. Uh, Drew's love is primarily for the original three films, and that's great. And that's fine. And my love is just kind of generally for the the world as a whole and all the. Um, stories that that world offers, not just the classic films, but the stories outside of those classic films as well. And there's no wrong way to love Star Wars. Um, so, you know, with that being said, that understanding, Drew, what's your, what's your overall thoughts and reactions now that we've kind of talked about some of the stuff and gone over it? Any other observations you have on these? Um. Uh, I, most of this is not going to be for me. Um, I'll peek in on some of it, um, but overall, I'm kind of like, eh. Just give me more. Just give me more Amando because that really speaks to to me and what I want out of this franchise. Um, but like, I do just find it interesting that I, I don't know. I it, it strikes me as. What am I trying? What am I? What, what do I want to say here? What? Why can't this franchise just propel itself forward? All these shows all take place in all these little niches, set in these little bubbles that people are familiar with, uh, or or are are dealing with concepts that they're familiar with, and they don't want to go forward. And that just, I want to go forward. I want to move beyond. Let's let's keep going. Let's let's push ahead. And that's even my biggest criticism with the the sequel films is that, well, besides the obvious fact that they didn't have a plan for what they were going to do with them, but like they, they revel in their nostalgia just a little too much and don't really push things ahead in with any new purpose or ideas that strongly. Um, can, can we do that? Can we... Can we move this ahead? Can we go somewhere interesting and new with this? Um, and I say that being an unabashed fan of Mando, but again, Mando, Mando like is like tailor made for people like me that just we. I love the world too, Carl, and I love the vibe, and I love all of the Star Warsy feel of it all. 
But Mando distills all that down to its essence and does it in a, I don't know, an inoffensive way to me. It doesn't, it doesn't give me prequel nonsense. It doesn't dwell in the past and the, you know, a, a past that doesn't really exist or whatever. It, it, I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Mando just works for me, even though it takes place in a air quotes past time period. But it is post-Jedi, so to a person like me, that's moving things forward in, in a way. Um, all these shows take place in these little bubble timelines, in these, these, these encapsulated eras. They're filling, in, they're filling in nooks and crannies, and I kind of like my imagination to do that more, I guess. Um, but there's interesting concepts there. Like the Andor series, to be honest, uh, is actually interesting to me. I would like to see maybe a, a spy kind of series out of Star Wars. Um, Rogue One, I enjoy it a great deal. Um, Cassian Andor may not have been the, the highest point for me of that, sh- of that movie, but if you're going to give me a show about kind of that dude, where he came from and like the dirty deeds and all that, that he had to go through to get where he got to in Rogue One, that's intriguing. Um, I might be, I might be down for that. It's finite. So I, you know, I'm okay with that. Um, and the Rogue One, uh, or the, or the Rogue Squadron rather, uh, film announcement is actually super interesting. Like I said, for a lot of reasons, uh, it propels things forward. It's about, um, fighter pilots. I'm a Top Gun fan. If you give me Top Gun in space, I'm probably going to be on board. They should do some stunt casting for that, by the way. Like, I don't know, get, I'm not saying get Tom Cruise, but maybe you get Anthony Edwards in there. Just, just saying um that's probably my favorite thing to come out of this though is is actually rogue squadron it's a new angle you know it's a new angle on things and it it propels things forward a bit yeah i and i totally i get what you're saying um i think you can also go forward while going backward at the same time i know that sounds stupid um but like like you said with Mando, Mando is something new, and it and to me it is pushing things forward. But it's also going back because we're going back to a time frame that canonically we've passed by with the sequel films. But again, there's this thirty year gap to which nothing has been told. Mandalorian's really the first thing the first mainstream thing that is entering into this era could could you imagine could you imagine if if we didn't get the sequel films and all we got was like mando wouldn't that just feel i don't know like it in a way like right (laughs) i think we would i think our reaction to mando would be very different if we didn't have the sequel films, if that oh, makes for sure, sense. for sure, for sure. Um, I think like given the failures of rise of Skywalker, uh, creating that just that, that, that kind of sinking feeling hunger and thirst for air quotes, good star Wars. Yeah. Um, I feel that we were, much more receptive to Mando than we would have been otherwise. Um, I think, you know, 
for for the most part, and we've discussed this before, you know, Kathleen Kenny's record is a good one. But the dark spots on the record are really big. Yes. And it's like, you know, the biggest you didn't stick the biggest, most important thing that you undertook in in this new adventure, and that's landing the ending of a story, you know, 40, 40 plus years in the making. Um, now granted there is an, an impossible task before you in that, and you're not going to make everyone happy, but you also could have done it a lot better than you did. Um, so I think now we're starting to see the reins of control while maybe nothing official being announced. Kathleen Kenny was still out there making these announcements, but I think more or less behind the scenes right now, it's probably Favreau and Filoni uh, running the show until whatever such point they feel they can make an announcement of official transition. Um, maybe. I, I don't know. If she's still out there doing the announcements on the call, which she did, she, she's, st- she's still in charge. But I feel like maybe she can be in charge. But she needs to put her faith in a, in a Feige, if you will. And I think she finally yeah. found it. So she can be in charge. But, but the, the, the people with the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, or that are steering the ship... Our, our Favreau and Filoni, and right. hey, fine, <laughs> you know that that's that's what you need. You should have had that when you when you first got the ball rolling. Um, but we, we that ship has sailed. That's fine. We're gonna move yep. on. Um, if you want to tell me Favreau and Filoni are the way forward, um, yep, good deal. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely okay with that. Oh, you know what? Really quick, yes, there's one we missed. Uh, they mentioned the. Uh, I thought there was more. The Taika, the Taika Waititi Star yeah, Wars. Yeah. Oh, I forget. I'm glad you still happening. Yes. What's going on with that? And they showed us a logo. It's like Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah. Which and is. Did you see Taika? Did you see Taika Waititi's tweet about it? No. He he tweeted out. I love this man. I really do. He tweeted out as a lifelong Star Wars fan. I look forward to seeing how I'm going to ruin it. Oh man, <laughs> you you. All right, <laughs> the you know the the thing about uh, what I don't want to get into a big thing because we should wrap this up. But um, the funny thing about that is like he'll probably do something as irreverent and as completely off the wall and unexpected as Ryan Johnson did. Except he'll be celebrated for it, whereas Ryan Johnson was like hung for it by the fan yeah. by the fans, and it just it's so and, and is still continues to be hung for it anytime. Yeah, Star Wars starts to trend on social media. Yeah, Ugh. it's so stupid. Thank you, Ryan Johnson, for the film you made. I, I for one, love it. I'm 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 with you, man. I we talked about this in our episode, and I still yep. admi- I admire that film, even if it doesn't get it all 100 percent right. I still admire it for what it really was trying to do and what it had to say. Yep, yep. 
I still like as far as Taika Waititi's film goes. Oh, let's go. I would still <laughs> love for like whatever he wants to do. Great. Um, but if he came out and said, I'm, I'm making, you know, star Wars tag and banker, uh, film, I would just absolutely lose it. Cause it was a, it was a tongue in cheek comic did by dark horse, uh, back in the legends days. And, Tag and Bank are essentially the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of Star Wars. So not C three PO and R two D two. No, no, they they get they like bungle their way throughout every major event. Okay, of the original trilogy. Gotcha. <laughs> like they're they're somehow in the Tie Fighter in the trench run that gets uh, spun out and spins away they're kind of both cramped in there it doesn't get destroyed or whatnot and like they somehow find themselves on a rebel ship during what have you it's it's hysterical um just like these two this Abin costello rosencrantz and gilderstern uh characters so if taika watiti uh was doing that i would absolutely love it and last thing drew as far as taika watiti is concerned I, I have an idea for his next acting role, if oh. he's interested. Oh? I, I want you to picture something. Taika Waititi as Reed Richards. <laughs> um, you, la- you laugh at first, but when you stop and think about it... I, 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 can, I, I can see where you're going, but also I think even though... Even though I do not take him seriously in any role outside of the one he is known for, uh, I still think Jim from The Office is, is going to be Reed Richards. <laughs> and I, I, right. I refer to him as Jim from The Office because that's what he's known for. Get out of here, you're Jack. I don't care about Jack Ryan. Get out of here, Jim. You're, what are you doing killing people, Jim? That's, not, that's weird. That's weird. You're being weird, Jim. Um, <laughs> anyway, Taika as, as Reed Richards. Wow. I mean, I don't, I don't not want it. <laughs> <laughs> so okay all right so that's gonna wrap it up for our star wars stuff yes. uh, drew we got some guests we do in the house again we do i hope i two I, weeks in a row we've I, got guests i hope they're they're uh listen they're they're i hope that they're people that they have told to listen to this episode are not completely bored out of their skulls right now uh waiting for this moment so thanks for sticking if, with us if they're <laughs> if they're bored out of their skulls right now they're i'm sorry we put out a good product they're they shouldn't be bored and hey if you're bored you get what you pay for message tell us you were bored um all right you get every cent of what you paid for say what i said you you get every cent of what you were what you paid for (laughs) exactly uh so drew why don't we move on to our guests all right Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have some really exciting guests with us here tonight. Um, I've been anticipating this episode for a while now, and it's going to be great to have them on. Um, We've mentioned it earlier, as Drew and I have been going to comic shops for most of our life. In any industry, there, there is a standard, and there are those who operate under the standard, and then there are those who find a way to blaze a new path. And I feel that uh, our guests tonight are those who have found a way to blaze a new path in an industry that has been pretty set in its ways for a very long time. 
so we would like to welcome to the show Amy and Jay Brent, owners, operators of local comic shops, Pulp 716. Guys, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much for having us. We're very excited. Glad to be here. Thank you very much for being here. I am so excited to have you guys on. Um, Just to give our listeners some background, um, I, like I mentioned earlier, I've been going to comic shops. I'm 43 years old. Um, I've been going to comic shops, you know, for probably since I was about 10 ish. Drew's probably the same. He's a little bit younger than me. And I've been going to the, you know, standard comic shops that we are all accustomed to, which I'm not going not to try and besmirch those, you know, they have their place in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was one time not too long ago that I went to Pulp 716, the Lockport location for the first time. And I, I walked in, I walked around, you know, I spent some time, I spent a little bit of money and I walked out. I was like, it's cute. I don't think they're really qualify as a comic shop. I'm not quite sure they know what they are. And I can safely say at this point that I didn't get it. And later on down the road, when I saw some different things that other comic shops did and I came back to pulp, I got it. And I just bought in 100% as to the way you guys do things. So I'm really excited to have you both on the show and talk about your shop, talk about what you both do there and the culture and innovation that you are bringing to the air quotes comic shop industry. Oh, gosh. Sure. So, <laughs> yeah, we do so, things different there. It's we no, don't get us wrong. We love, love the traditional comic shops. If we're out of town, we Google and we stop at least one, no matter what. And there's nothing like it. They're, they definitely need to be there. But when we open our shops, well, prior to open it, we did a tour um, all over the place. We went to places in Canada, Western New York, uh, out of state with little notebooks. And we, we wrote down what we liked and what we didn't like. And that's how we based our store off that little notebook. Well, that's good. That leads me into my kind of my first question, which would be kind of, you know, what is your origin story? Give us the, the pre COVID-19 origin story of Pulp 716 how you guys were born and how you kind of developed your culture and philosophy leading up into this dumpster fire of a year that is 2020. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, it started with me as a, a kid. I come from a family of traveling magicians. So we would travel the country and, uh, well, different countries. And I had a, a nice stack of comics. And, you know, we didn't have Game Boys. We didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have any of that stuff. That was my only entertainment. So I'd read these comics over and over and over again, these same 20 comics. And town to town, I would find some kids and be like, hey, you read comics and try to swap some out or buy some at corner stores and this and that. And before you know it, I, I had my first DBA. I was 11 years old. My dad got me a DBA and I was setting up tables at these different towns at conventions and, and we're trying to coordinate things and flea markets and selling my comics there. So for our more casual viewers, uh, DBA, what is that? 
doing business as. So, okay. Yep. So I uh, started as Niagara Collectibles back when I was 11 years old. Okay. So then from that point, how does that transition to what Pulp 716 is now? Well, it, it didn't take that traditional route of me opening a, a comic book shop uh, with the long white boxes and things like that. I, I was a reader. I was never a, a true collector. Um, you know, people would be like, oh, you know, this, this X-Men, you know, Days of Future Past, you know what that's worth? I'm like, no, I, I don't. <laughs> it's a great story. You want to swap it for that uh, sleepwalker? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and he still holds true to those values today. He just doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. The value's great. I mean, they're worth what they are to me. They're, they're yeah. treasures. But it's it's for the story. And that, that really reflects in our store where you walk in and it's all the new releases. Everything's cover price. And, you know, it doesn't matter if the book's going for 40 bucks online. It's, it's cover price at our shop. Mm. He brings the, Jay brings a lot of the comic like history and knowledge to our shops. And I bring in the new reader aspect because I didn't grow up reading comics. I didn't have anyone in my family that read comics. I wasn't friends with anyone that read comics. And not on purpose. I just was never around it. I just never met anybody that that read comics, so I I never got into it. But I've been a voracious reader since I learned how to read. I just devour books. Um, I was that kid in school that got all those free pizzas from Pizza Hut. Do you remember the read it the book it program at Pizza oh, Hut? I remember that was school yeah i was that kid and i got so many free pizzas they knew me by name at pizza hut because i just read all the time so um when jay and i started dating he introduced me to to comics and uh the first comic i ever read was owly i highly recommend it to everybody it's <laughs> super cute um but i was that new reader and i was like man this stuff is really cool like it's really awesome stories like what I'm used to reading, but it's got this inclusion of this beautiful artwork and it really helps tell a different kind of story when you can see the pictures on the pages and see people's reactions to the dialogue and, and the scenes that are happening and stuff. So I think with the two of us having such different comic backgrounds, um, it really helps shape our store into what it is today, which is a, a safe space for, for everyone. We welcome the most hardcore of comic readers, like a Mr. Carl Duty, into our shop. But we also welcome a brand new person that comes in for a bubble tea and has never read a comic before, but they're like, oh, I've never read a comic. And I'm like, yeah, you're about to. And I'll sell them their first comic. And they love it. They come back. So I think between the two of us, it really helped uh, shape a new face for for comic shops. So, all right, let me ask you, the the culture of Pulp Seven One Six is so very different from what we're accustomed to. And you spoke to that a lot, Amy, in the the you know welcoming to the new readers. Uh, one of the the stigma 
of the traditional comic shop is a uh, gatekeeper mentality. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, not all, again, we're not here to besmirch other shops the way they do business. Some shops are like this, some shops are not. Um, but with some shops, there is a gatekeeper mentality that if you walk in and it's clear that you don't know exactly what you're looking for or what you're talking about, or if you're not male, you're not, it, you're not as embraced as you would be if you were, you know, if you knew exactly what color Peter's pants were in amazing Spider-Man, you know, 68 page six panel four. Wow. Um, <laughs> probably a good chance. So how, how is your culture different from that? How is it developed? Up and up until currently. Um, well, I don't know that it was really developed. We just hit the ground running that way. Um, because I, I was that, that person being treated that way in comic shops, you know, like I, there was one time I walked into a comic shop and I'm, I, I'm not besmirching or naming names or anything, but I did walk into a comic shop and it was like a sitcom where you hit like the record scratch and everything freezes. <laughs> like that's exactly what happened when I walked in and I was just like, Oh God, I don't feel like I'm supposed to be here. And I was with Jay and the people in that shop directed all of their comments to Jay. They only looked at Jay. They, uh, I did not exist in, in this space. So I knew immediately that we weren't going to be a shop like that. Like we're inclusive to everybody. I don't care what color Peter's pants were. I care about how that story is, you know, like we just never focused on stuff like that. So it was just natural for us to run our business that way. As soon as we opened the doors, it was welcome to everybody. It's not something that we, it's so natural to us to, to treat people equally and be welcome, welcoming and, and open to people. So um, it's like not even a second thought for us. We just, that's just how we do business. So now, and I'm sorry, I paused a little bit after each answer, just in case Drew wants to jump in, obviously with this situation here, normally we're in the same studio, but, given what 2020 is um yeah. drew it's been a minute you want to jump in no no go <laughs> it's on been man. A minute. it has been a minute um so now with with comic shops there there are so many things that set pulp 716 apart as being unique one of the biggest things i feel is that uh at at one point your original location was in lockport you opened up a second location, which is just what with comic shops say is just unheard of. And, you know, you opened up in North Tonawanda, 10 minutes from my house, which thank you for that. Um, <laughs> what, like, how was that decision made to open up a second location? What brought you to that point? It was our business plan, actually. We 
when we first opened, we wrote our business plan and it dictated our direction. And if by year three, we were at a certain number, then the uh, growth was to open a second store. So we had to adhere to that. You can't deviate from a business plan once it, it's successful. And it was in Lockport. Uh, so we did. We followed that plan. And the numbers said, open a second location. We did. Uh, and then part of our five-year plan was to uh, review the second location for expansion. If we're at a certain number, we were. Um, and that's what we're doing now. We're expanding it by almost 1,000 square feet right now as we speak. And we got a lot more things coming up. We got another, uh, we have to sit down and write our next three-year plan and mm -hmm. then cap it out at the five-year. So that's really the direction. It, it, it's a natural direction once you write a successful business plan. And also, I'd like to add something to that too um, that definitely was part of the plan. But I think with our first location being in Lockport, it's kind of far removed from from a lot of other um, areas in Western New right. York. So I was really excited to open a second location in an, a place that was a little more central for everyone else. So not everybody had to drive like an hour to get to our shop. So um, that was really an exciting part of us doing a second location too, was all of the opportunity it afforded us for new customer bases. So an interesting thing about your shop is that not only are you a, a comic shop, you are also a coffee shop. Um, with a wonderful selection of, of different coffees and teas and boba tea and just fantastic uh, service and menu items. Um, let me ask you this. Do you feel that in today's COVID aside, in a vacuum, if, if you know 2020 hadn't happened, do you feel that someone can still open up a comic book shop today, sell just comics and be successful. I do. I think our model is different. It works because of the coffee shop and the bubble tea and the bakery and whatnot. Uh, but a lot of other shops have to rely on the online sales, which we don't do. So that's their other income like we have the bubble tea and coffee right that's that's the direction that they take and there are a lot of other shops worldwide that we talk to in our different groups they're just bewildered by the fact that we don't do online sales or ebay sales or anything like that they don't know how we keep the lights on we don't need to we don't that that would take away from what we do uh, you know if we Start looking at books that are cover price three ninety nine, but they're on eBay for fifteen dollars. Then they go from being something that we respect as a, a story to something that we can take off the counter because take off the shelf from our walking customers because it's going for more online. We don't want that. Yeah, we like the face to face aspect of dealing with our customers and selling by hand and not over the the computer so with the the expansion you mentioned opening the second location what what went into consideration uh 
when selecting the second location? It was really the population, the demographics. We had other cities that were reaching out to us. Uh, we sat down with some people. Uh, North Tonawanda, the Lumber City development, really won us over. Um, Buffalo was enticing, uh, but the, really the North Tonawanda location was right on the border of Erie County. We got Tonawanda, North Tonawanda, Wheat. We have it all. We're right off Delaware Avenue, pretty much. It's every different community could, could hit us up. Or if we were in uh, downtown Buffalo, where they wanted us to go, uh, we, we could be uh, pigeonholed. You know, we wouldn't get the people from mm -hmm. Amherst or Niagara Falls anymore. Right. And Webster Street is such a fantastic location. Um, I love Webster Street because it's a street that corporate America ignores. And everything there is so unique and personalized. Mm -hmm. and like true true artisan um so okay let's let's bring it to the dumpster fire talk about how uh, the dc universe this, <laughs> not the dc cinematic universe oh okay <laughs> 2020 sorry i get i get the, 2020 i, I get confused i'm sorry it's a fine line it, it is it is so talk about how COVID impacted you as business owners and how it impacted your plans? Well, it didn't really slow us down. It made us do some reflection. Um, and we brought the staff in. We had a very serious meeting with the staff. And we said, this is how it is. The, the, you're, our, you're our business. If we vote, and the majority of us want to close the doors during this. We want to just shut things down for a bit. We'll do that. If you guys want to rock it out, then we'll do that too. It's up to you. So we, we have a very competent um, staff of managers. And they coordinated things. We listened. And they decided to stay open uh, with precautions. It was, uh, as of now, a, a, a great decision. We're, Surprisingly, up for the year, sales. Uh, we didn't advertise any comics during the shutdown. We advertised our drinks and takeout and all that stuff. We just didn't want to rub it in anyone's faces, any other comic shops in the area that, hey, we're open and you can't be. Um, so we put a kibosh to all the uh, social media advertising for any comic books or promotions. Mm -hmm. So, and as far as the, was there ever a point where there was a concern that the uh, comic end of it would kind of have to permanently go away or, and you just become permanently like a full blown coffee shop or did you always know that you were going to get back to the comics at some point? No, never. We had a, what we had, we had something set up in our business plan. Going back to that, we had a, well, we're in Western New York, so there's blizzards. We know that. So that was reflecting our business plan that we needed a, something 
comic wise to have if there was ever a, a long term shutdown and we couldn't get comics because we rely on that weekly income. So we invested in a lot of inventory, a lot of graphic novels, uh, well over, geez, five, five and 10,000 graphic novels we invested in. Mm-hmm. And once the shutdown hit, we activated our emergency plan. And that's when we started our 716 sale for the graphic novels, where we had all that back inventory, uh, where all the graphic novels priced thirty four ninety nine and below were on sale for $7.16. So, yes, there were no comics coming in on a weekly basis from the publishers. And that usually would, would have been something to uh, destroy a business. But we had the backup plan and we were ready for it because of our Blizzard plan that went on a little longer than we would have liked. but. Yeah. It was there. <laughs> yeah. And it was extremely helpful to have the cafe side too. So um, it was good because people were coming in for drinks, but they were so bored because they were stuck at home. They were like, oh, let me grab a couple of books while I'm here. So thankfully, we were in that kind of position that a lot of other people weren't. So we're very lucky with the way things went down. So talk about your staff. Your staff, anytime I go in, is always so friendly and so curious or courteous. Um, and they all seem to have great personalities. So so talk about your staff. What go like what do you look for in, in a staffing member and you know, how has your staff been of help during this period? Oh, the staff is we could not survive without the team that we have. The staff is imperative to our business. Um, They all have their own special qualities that they bring to the table that works very well with our business model. Um, But the main thing that we really look for is, do you read comics or are you willing to read comics? If you're not reading comics right now, are you willing to read a book, a shift and learn about comics? Uh, Because you have to be able to talk to people about comics. So we, uh, we look into that. We make sure that people are comfortable talking to the customers because we pride ourselves on being like a destination, um, not just a retail store. So being able to have conversations and talk to people about stuff is a big part of what we do at our shop because it sticks in your mind. They're like, this was a good experience. You know, everybody has fun when they come in because we all just can can talk to them and, and have a good conversation. So we make sure that they can talk to people and they're friendly and outgoing and uh, that they also know how to get down to business when stuff needs to get done, too. you have anything you want to add to that, James? I mean, a lot of the people that we hired were customers before that, and we got to know them. Uh, surprisingly, most of them were bubble tea customers. Um, almost 100% girls. There's only a couple yeah. of guys that work at the shop. And a lot of them didn't read comics before they started coming to us. Uh, they, We offered them positions, and their concern was that, oh, I don't know a lot about comics. And we say, well, you will, because it's mandatory. You read one comic per shift. And before you know it, I mean, these <laughs> these employees have their own pull lists. I mean, we got... Kelly has, she reads over 70 books a month now. She knows more about comics than I do. Our, our, 
employee training manuals are actual graphic novels where we say these are the mandatory ones. We got all the sagas. We got the Terry Moore books. We have uh, the essential Marvel and DCs, things like that. But that's that's what they have to read. That's what we make it mandatory. But then the, the weekly releases, and we tell them, you know, it's important to us that you read these new ones and people come in and say, hey, anything good? Or you see someone getting uh, something's killing the children and, and they come in and Oh yeah, you like that book? Did you know this guy writes Batman too? Check this out, you know. And they they steer him in that direction. What would you say is your uh, well? Again, in in before the dark times, um, what were your uh, customers like favorite books? Were your best selling books? Um, is it more of the stock, you know, Marvel, DC, week to week kind of stuff, or uh, do you? Being kind of a different breed of shop, do you have a different breed of clientele that steers more into the indie books and the image stuff and the more quirky books? Well, we have a varied customer base. Like we do have our hardcore Marvel and DC readers and and that's awesome. Um, but over the past couple of years, we've really made a little bit of a name for ourselves with the indie titles. We carry a ton of indie titles and speaking at least just for the North Tonawanda location, which is mine. Uh, that is what we sell the most of at my shop is the indie titles. And I really think it's mainly because that's what my, my staff and I read more of. Um, so we talk about it more and that's the books that we are selling to people when they come in. So um, my shop specifically has a very large indie following. Mm. Um, Something's Killing the Children is my highest subscribed title. Hmm. Uh, well, probably double the amount of people that are subscribed to Batman right now. More. More. Yeah. yeah. Probably a little bit more than double. It's like, it's crazy. We sell a lot of indie titles. I think we did over over 500 copies of the first issue of that. And that was before it was even big. Something's killing children. Yeah, uh, and most of those people, of those five hundred copies that we sold, I would say more than half of those people that bought that comic never read a comic before in their life. Wow. Uh, our bubble tea customers. We we did the uh, promotion online. We had the model come in and she dressed up like the character, and these people bought into it. It was a perfect storm. What is this book? I want it. And they, we we, thankfully forecasted the sales correctly and it worked yeah it worked really well but like don't discount those marvel and dc guys i got a ton of people that are subscribed to all those titles too so we have a really good mix of of everything it's not one or the other really it's a little melting pot yeah that's the gravy on the potatoes right there. it is yeah <laughs> so Moving, moving away from shops specifically as, as shop owners, um, I'm sure you have very unique perspectives on the industry. Uh, what do you feel the current status of the industry is right now and going forward? Do you feel it's in a good spot? Do you feel there's cause for concern? What do you see as far as trends going just kind of what your thoughts on the industry in general are. Industry's strong. The horror game is very strong. Mm -hmm. That's the trend right now. Mm -hmm. If 
you're listening and you're a writer or you're an artist, you're a publisher, <laughs> put all your cards in, man. Like that's it. Horror. That's what people want. That's, that's our sales. Yeah. I think that plays into DC's kind of a mess right now. Um, from a retailer standpoint, DC is kind of a mess right now. Um, so like, it's easy for us to push books that aren't the main publishers, but this like incoming of, of new talent and new kinds of stories, I think is really helps to strengthen the industry as a whole. If I have to take a breath, when I tell someone the title of a DC book, it's a problem. <laughs> hey, did you pick up the newest dark Knights metal tales of the <sighs> multiverse? <laughs> it, it's exhausting. And, People just it is, but there's only care. 32 tie-ins for that one. So it's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. These indies are where it's at. It's like a five-issue series, five issues, and you're done. It's super easy to read. It's just like that. I could see that becoming a more prevalent uh, future of comics for sure. Do you see ever a you know, obviously there's been a lot of questions, uh, especially with DC cutting staff uh, by large amounts during the pandemic. Do you see any of the major publishers kind of moving away from monthly books into more of a, you know, quarterly uh, graphic novel format? Ugh. No, I don't see that. Yeah. I, I see them going down to their their core books maybe as far as DC is concerned uh, they're focusing I can I could see the writing on the wall and just looking at our retailer notes that are coming out uh, it's looking good it, it's looking like they have some fresh ideas and they're doing exactly what Amy was just talking about where a new reader can, can jump on pretty soon with this new relaunch that DC is doing they're not erasing everything they're just making it easy for someone that walks in the door. This new generation of readers like like we have can feel confident that picking up a book knowing that they won't be lost. Oh, well, wait, there's a new Batman? What's this about? I can start. You know, I don't need to know about the last few decades of, of Batman. I can pick up right here, and that's all I need to know. So what, and Amy and I were talking about this uh, earlier this week when I stopped in the shop. Um, it seems one thing that the industry as a whole struggles with is generating new younger readers. Um, a lot of shops can kind of have like a generational customer base, you know, father, mother brings in their kids, gets the kids hooked on the comics and that kind of, you know, procreates a customer. Obviously, you guys are doing things differently. Um, using the the coffee and the the bubble tea is kind of a leeway into that new reader. Um, what do you think are things that the industry should be doing to get new readers, younger readers, into the medium? You know what did it uh, for something's killing children? They released that trailer. And it really hadn't been done before that. Or maybe it was and I didn't see it, but the, 
the something's killing children. It was almost like a, a theatrical trailer where the comic was actually moving and there was music and it, it was intense and it was captivating. And I think that really, really brought a lot of people in where they, they saw it. Even if you never read a comic before, they could relate to that trailer because they, everyone's seen a movie trailer. So recognizing something like that, they could be like, well, maybe I would like a comic. I want to check this out. So and it plays into when we sell a comic, we have to hand sell these comics to these new readers. Uh, we, we ask them, you know, they're, they're like, well, I never read a comic before. What would you recommend? We say, well, what kind of movies do you like? And that's familiar to them. So they tell us, oh, I like Lord of the Rings or I like Harry Potter or I like that. Oh, okay, here you go. This is saga. <laughs> saga crosses over into everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, we saw that's a, that, that saga trade that volume one. I just looked at the numbers today and it's obscene the amount of saga trades that we've sold. But looking at the uh, something is killing the children numbers, it it's actually catching up to the saga numbers. It's something we didn't expect. It's only been out for a year. So we're looking at, uh, you know, for us, a half a decade of sales of saga and for something's killing children to be at almost 35% of that just in one year. That's unprecedented. That's all new, new readers. Yeah. I think if they applied that kind of forward thinking for getting the book ideas out to the general public, that would play a part in how younger kids would come across this kind of medium. Like if they had an ad that played on a YouTube video, because that's all these kids want these days, mm-hmm. put a comic ad on a YouTube video, become a sponsor of one of these influencers or whatever they're called, these YouTubers, you know, like if they put that kind of thinking into it, as long as they can get the kids to see it, I think it would generate a whole new crowd of kids that want to read some comics. I don't know for sure if they did uh, full-blown like trailers, but I know DC did do a uh, an album, actually, for the Batman metal stuff um, with like notable people on it. Uh, but... It was a crossover I did not expect, but every once in a while in my Spotify feed, I'll get some tracks from it, and it's like, that's why is this on a comic book (laughs) album? Is this a thing that people are looking into? Because I know I'm a fan of this kind of music, and I'm a fan of comics, and yet when they mash up together in this, I'm kind of like, eh, no, (laughs) weird, get it, go go away. They released a record, and the record had uh, issue number one in it. Ah. I think they they did it through uh, FYE. Mm-hmm. exclusive do kids know what fye is <laughs> <laughs> i don't think they know how to spell it Probably not. <laughs> let me my, tell you kids about media play <laughs> my uh, media play the best place to go to find something to go somewhere else to buy cheaper <laughs> um my wife once asked me what does fye stand for i was like freaking yowza expensive yeah yeah right so it brings back the the 
the media play days and the uh, it's right. It's fun to walk in shops like that. Yeah. So one thing, just getting back to shop, one thing, one of my favorite things about your shop is, um, you know, as you are doing things differently, blazing a new path, um, that's going to meet with resistance from those who feel things should be done a certain way and, you know, are willing to make their reservations heard. What I love about your shop is that you, you take these reservations and honestly reservations is too kind of word. You take these flat out insults and you slap them on a t-shirt <laughs> and, and you wear them as a badge of honor. Yeah. Um, tell us about that. Well, like, why not? Why? <sighs> I think that just comes back to how Jay and I just are as people, you know, like in our relationship together, all we want to do is laugh. We just want to laugh and have good times. And I really want to apply that to my career life as well, because like it's comics, man. It's not that serious. It's comics. So all we want to do is sling some comics and sell some teas and have a good time. And other people take it a lot more seriously. I mean, I'm serious about my business, but like not to the point where I need to insult other businesses on the way that they do things. So for us to be able to take those remarks and put a totally different spin on it, it just really shows how we are as people. And speaking of that shirt and the gentleman that had the negative things to say about us that we printed on that shirt, he made us a lot of money. Mm-hmm. We have sold a lot of those shirts. Tons. There, You have the two CEOs of uh, Vault Comics wearing our shirt. You have uh, Morgan from, from Boom. <laughs> Uh, the marketing manager wears our shirt. We we have people buying our shirt. These these major companies, yeah, and they love it. They show they share the pictures with us, and it's really uh, it blows our mind that this this little shop, well shops now in Western New York are known around the the world. Yeah, folks, I mean, you've heard us talk here, and this has been a fantastic conversation. Um, We're not just talking about local shop here. Pulp 716 has garnered some national attention. Um, You guys just got nominated for an award recently, a fairly big award uh, that I don't think any other shops in the area can really cling to. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, the Eisner. That was uh, two years in a row now we were nominated for the Eisner Award. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. And Eisner. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean. It's amazing to be lumped in with these other outstanding, well-known comic shops. Like, it really, like, there's days where something happens and I get an email from someone or somebody mentions something or there's a tweet online and I just have to stop and, like, take a step back for a second and be like, this is like our shops that they're talking about. Like, it's crazy to me. And we never, uh, we never thought that 
I really just wanted to open a little shop and just not work a crappy job that I hated anymore. And it turned into this thing. It's very, it's, it's humbling and just incredible to me. I, I, I just, it's so exciting. And the the packages, I mean, Rev B, the guy who writes uh, Catwoman, we got a package in the mail the other day and it was some Catwoman prints that he had printed up himself. He did it all himself and he autographed them all Mm -hmm. and mailed them from England. Um, just so that we could uh, surprise our customers uh, with the uh, the inserts in the books. Yeah, it's it's incredible. The I it's really nice to be noticed for being a shop that is making strides to kind of change the course of the comic industry and the way that it's delivered to like the consumers. That is always my number one thing and it was my number one thing when we were about to open the shop is that's what I wanted I didn't want um to to be one of those shops that didn't welcome everybody so it's nice that people notice that and they noticed it enough to nominate us for an Eisner award and it's crazy no no it's just crazy and folks if you don't know Eisner Award is essentially the comic industry version of an Academy Award. It's it's a big deal in the industry. Um, you guys were on the cover of the most recent issue of Spawn, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. There's a yeah. bunch of shops on, named in the cityscapes, and uh, Pulp 716 was named in there. It's, just, it's really incredible to watch uh, the success and the, the recognition that your shop is getting and so every bit of it is just so well deserved. Um, so before we get you out of here, you guys have been so generous with your time and thank you so much. Um, you know, give us, if, if you got a whole bunch of potential readers, uh, listening, give us, you know, give us some suggestions. What are you loving right now? that you're reading what are you most passionate about uh let let the people know what the good good is well i'm sure you heard us talk about something's killing children that's obviously one of our favorite books but i think my top books for this year were for me scout comics put out a book that uh, Charlie Stickney wrote called White Ash. And it just hit every note for me. It, it was the perfect comic. It wasn't too flashy. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that I didn't like. It was definitely a reader's book. It had monsters. It had uh, cliffhangers. Oh, it was, it was one of those books where it ends and you're now you're you're counting the weeks waiting for the next issue and it's been it's been a long time since i've had that happen so white ash is it for me uh as the the cliffhanger book of the year uh for a really impact book finger guns Mm -hmm. oh geez also by uh that's by vault that book it's about these kids that get these powers and they can uh make finger guns and either make people happy or, or mad. And, you know, you think first issue in, you're like, oh, this is, you know, this is a great uh, young adult book. By the end of the series, 
your jaws dropped because this is a very serious book that goes into uh, domestic violence issues and it, it goes down an avenue I did not expect. And it really, well, it really tugged at your heart. So that book was a surprise for me. What about you, Amy? Um, this is always such a hard question because I like a lot of different stuff. Um, and I always want to be that person that is like Jay and talks about this like hard hitting emotional book, <laughs> but really the most, one of the most favorite books that I've read recently is metal shark bro. And I cannot stop <laughs> talking about it. Cause I just love these creators so much. So scout comics put out, um, metal shark bro. And it is, uh, Bob France and Kevin cuff. And it's just a really fun book. It's like shark that, gets turned into it like a dude and there's metal music and it's just really <laughs> fun. It's very mature. It's definitely not for kids. Um, so that is a really fun one that I would recommend to people if they just want to read like a good book, that's going to make you laugh out loud. Um, but also again, something's killing the children. Um, I'm a huge fan of James Tynan. So I pretty much anything that he's doing Lately is something I would recommend. Uh, Wind was fantastic. Um, Terry Moore does some really good books that I've read recently. Rachel Rising is a really good horror book. Uh, we've got a few copies of The Omnibus, and I devoured that book. It is not only is his art like some of the most beautiful stuff I've ever looked at, but the story is fantastic, too. I just finished Echo by him as well, and that was also very interesting. It had some really good takes on some like philosophical things yeah. in there that was really interesting to read. I'd say Terry Moore's uh, Rachel Rising is probably the staff favorite for the year. Yeah. Where every single staff member has. Everybody has read that read one. It and loved it. Yeah, it was really good. Um, and of course, when I get asked about it is when I blank out on like everything that I've been reading. Darth but. Vader has been going to Marvel. Darth Vader has been solid this year. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed that one. And uh, also read anything by Chelsea Kane. <laughs> anything by Chelsea Kane. It doesn't matter what it is. Man Eaters, Spy Island, anything that she puts out is is fantastic. Amy, when I was in there I, this week, I asked for some suggestions, and you put a, a book in my hand that just absolutely blew me away when I sat down to read it. The book called Crossover. Yes. Yes, um, I am instantly addicted and instantly want more because it's not only is it a, a story that people who don't have history, you know, comics history, rich blood can get into, but like it speaks to both readers, casuals and yeah. those who have been reading for years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it covers a, a lot of ground, that one. On a, on a deep emotional level. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that next issue. So, yeah. uh, again, we cannot thank you enough for spending this time with us. Uh, let, we've been talking this time about your shop. Uh, by all means, let the people know. Where can they find you in the shops, on social media? How can the people get in contact with and experience the joy that is Pulp 716? Um, well, we are very active on social media. So we do have two separate pages on Facebook for both locations. 
you can look under Pulp 716 Coffee and Comics. There's one um, that also says Lockport at the end. So that is the Lockport shop. Mine is just Pulp 716 Coffee and Comics. You can find us on Twitter at, um, it's just at Pulp 716. That is probably our favorite social media account that we do. It's super fun. We have a ton of fun on that one. And then you can find us on Instagram as well. And that one is a little bit of a mouthful, but it is Pulp 716 underscore coffee underscore comics. And we're very active on that one as well. So you can find us all over online. You can Google Pulp 716. You can come visit us at the Lockport shop at 45 East Avenue in Lockport, or you can visit us in North Tonawanda at 31 Webster Street. And we'll always be there with a smile and ready to have a conversation. Awesome. Well, again, I cannot thank you enough for your time. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to the continued success of Pulp 716 and everything that you guys are doing. Uh, best of luck to you. And again, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for thank having you. us, Carl. It means a lot to us. And thank you for being our customer, too. We absolutely love you. Believe me, the pleasure is all mine. <laughs> You're the best. Thank you. All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up for us on another great episode of The Devil's Due. Um, our deepest and heartfelt thanks to Amy and Jay Barrent of Pulp 716 for stopping by and giving us some of their time. Um, it was a lot of fun having them. And, folks, if you, if you have the means, go check out Pulp 716. They are a great, great place. Um, not just a great comic book store, just a great place and good people are there who are eager to show you some really cool stuff. Um, so yeah, Drew, any, uh, any closing thoughts on the episode? Uh, I lament that, uh, COVID has made it such that I have not been to Pulp 716. So I do look forward to the day when, uh, I can actually visit the shop. So, uh, yeah, let's hope that um, the vaccine dissemination goes goes well and that it leads to a return to normal times. I certainly am ready for it, and I believe you are too, sir. Um, Indeed. Yeah, that's my closing thought. Let's. I. I'm. I'm longing. Longing for. Uh, <laughs> I'm longing for normalcy, Carl. I miss. I miss the way things should be. Um, without. Ending on a on a sour note, I would like to say uh, happy holidays to everybody and Merry Christmas and um, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, we're we're these two weeks in a row where we did episodes were kind of an anomaly. Some certain things you know fell into place, um, so we're going to be returning to our biweekly schedule. Um, so next week. So we're not going to be recording on Christmas night. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry, we've got we've got other things to do. I mean, you um, know, if you, you want know, to, if, I, there, I don't if know. there if if there wasn't COVID, I'll be nogged up if you want to get me on, dude. I'll, you know, <laughs> if, if there wasn't COVID and we had to go spend time with our families, then yeah, I would probably use the show as an excuse to avoid that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you never know. Uh, but again, we appreciate y'all for joining us. Uh, and really, really quickly, 
Um, I just realized, just remembered, we'd be very remiss if we didn't mention. Um, we did lose another giant galaxy huh. far, far away this past week. Uh, rest in peace to Jeremy Bullock. Uh, the original Boba Fett passed away this week. Uh, you will be missed, sir. Rest in power, sir. Yes. Um, all right, folks, if you want to reach out to us, uh, send us any messages, questions, comments to be read on the show. You can do so at the following social media locations. You can do so on Twitter. Follow us at Devil's Do Pod. Uh, you can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Devil's Do Pod. You can email us at the Devil's Do Pod at gmail.com. Or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, the Devil's Do Podcast.com. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. Again, thank you for joining us and have yourself a very Merry Christmas and, you know, Happy New Year. We should talk to you for that, but you never know. Bye.